Well, good morning. It is Friday. It's pretty early. I'm sitting here. I've just had, it's so not rock and roll, a big bowl of porridge because it's pretty chilly outside and it's not much warmer here in the studio. A huge cup of coffee. Uh, Just returned from Oxford where one of the cars had to go in for an emergency recall. We had an uh, an email from the DVLA, the uh, body that looks after motoring safety in the UK, saying this particular model of car had to go back to the garage because its brakes stood a chance of failing. So we uh, rang our local garage and they said we could fit you in at the end of April. Now, luckily, there's another garage over in Oxford. So this morning, first thing, we pootled over there and they agreed to see it straight away. Uh, So that's gone in to be fixed. I'll tell you what, on the way, though, there was a lady on a bike. This is quite normal in Oxford to see about a million people on bikes. There's a lady on a bike with her two small children on the back, and I swear the car that pulled out in front of her, I don't know what they were thinking, how she didn't slam into the side of it, probably killing all three of them, I have no idea. The guy driving the car... Muppet. I've never seen anything so scary. Uh, probably shook me. Uh, I assume the early morning mist in his eyes and he just wasn't paying any attention at all. I did feel for her. Uh, anyway, this podcast. Now, I give you warning. There is going to be swearing. I know that because I've got some quotes I'm going to read out and they include swearing. I can see them right here. There's a little bit of rudeness at the beginning of the podcast. So if you are listening to this with small children... Well, you have a choice. You can either teach them some new words and some new meanings, or you can wait until they're no longer around. I'm Paul, and this is a very sweary Mastering Portrait Photography podcast. Right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm going to start this podcast with some uh, fairly rude uh, messages. Now, I don't know why, but suddenly in my Facebook and Instagram direct messaging accounts, I'm getting an awful lot of these kinds of messages. Uh, it's the first one, it says, Hi, whore website looking for friends to date. Uh, there's then some uh, some uh, emojis. Uh, some there's a uh, kissing lips, an aubergine, and uh, water droplets. Now I had to go look these up uh, to figure out quite what that meant. I clearly am of an age where that wasn't an automatic translation. I guessed aubergine. <laughs> I see. I, I, I kind of guessed it, but I had to still go look it up. Uh, the next one says, uh, "Hey baby." I'm going to try and do the voice. I've no idea. I she probably hasn't got an English guy's voice, but here's the voice. Hey baby, I'm horny. Can you lick my pussy now? <laughs> Again, some emojis. Uh, it follows, if your cock is big, click my link and fuck me. Now, quite how I'm going to do that by clicking a link, I have no idea. Um, but there you go. And the final one, the one that actually, I've, and I've got dozens of these. In years gone by, um, sort of looking at, what, 10, 15 years ago, I had a whole flurry in my email, as opposed to on Facebook or Instagram, <laughs> of people trying to sell me Viagra. Clearly, you get to an age, and I must have gone past that age now, because I no longer get any of those, or either that or the spam filters uh, pick it up really effectively. Now I've got to the age where, actually, I no longer need the Viagra. I've gone back to being, <laughs> by the looks of things, a teenager. Uh, the final one made me made me laugh, and it says the following. 
I need only one adult man to meet me here and have sex. Well, that's a relief that you only need one. <laughs> How is that a selling proposition? Usually I need two or three, but with you, I only need one. I just It just made me laugh. Um, I am now trying to figure out how to stop these things uh, coming into my inbox because they are somewhat clouding the actual messages that I need to read. And I am very, I mean, I've said over and over and over, I don't use Facebook very much, primarily for things, probably because of things like this, uh, but mostly because there are just too many channels of information coming in and I cannot keep an eye on all of it. And when it's being clouded <laughs> by aubergine emojis, uh, it really, really doesn't help. I'm sure I'll figure it out. It seems to have coincided with the day I clicked the button that every message that comes in sends out an automated response that just says, if you've uh, direct messaged me on either Facebook or Instagram, please be aware that we don't check it as often as other channels try emailing. Um, and that seems to have coincided with these messages coming in. So I'm now, I've now unticked that uh, so that nobody gets a, a clever response automatically. Um, but I don't know if that was the reason. Uh, but it, is, <laughs> it keeps me amused, uh, if, even if it's not particularly uh, useful. Uh, okay, so moving on to something a little uh, cleaner and, uh, and possibly more productive. Uh, what I've been doing this week, uh, it's actually been, well, I've said this over and over, right? I can be in an empty room, no doors, no windows, and I'll still find a way to be busy. I'm just one of those people. Uh, my dad, my mom, my grandfather, all very similar in that regard. Sitting still is just not my thing. I sat and watched, what did I sit and watch the other night with Sarah? I think I sat and watched the was it a film or we watched a series and I didn't have a laptop or my phone or anything. I just watched it. And even she laughed at me because she could see I was starting to get twitchy. And it stems, I think it stems from my mum and dad. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch the television. Or at least I wasn't allowed to just watch the television. When, when we got our first telly, I don't know if I've ever spoken about this before. When we got our first telly, euphemistically called... Uh, a portable but it took two of us to lift the damn thing we had to tell I had to if I wanted to watch it I had to say to tell mum and dad what it was I was going to watch and I had to be doing something else at the same time drawing or doing my homework or something actually probably probably thinking about it doing homework wasn't a legit excuse because I had to do that without the telly on um, but the TV was something that they regarded as went on in the background. You had to be doing something productive uh, and you didn't just sit and watch the telly. You had to have a reason to watch the telly. So there were programs that I loved to watch, you know, nature programs, science programs, love the Royal Institution Christmas lectures, those kinds of things, tomorrow's world, music programs, top of the pops. Uh, but I had to sit and do something else. So I invariably drew. Actually, I would do something with a pen and paper, do something creative. Uh, but it does mean I've I've inherited this. It's just kind of wired into me that I can't just sit and watch the TV. Uh, it quietly um, drives me potty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's just me. And I can't just sit still. So I'd be in a room on my own and I'd still be busy. But we are busy. Uh, judging... Uh, I don't know yet whether I can say which organisation I'm judging for, uh, but I have 620 portrait images going through just at the moment. That's a lot of images to judge. I'm part of a team, but still uh, each of us has to judge all 620. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it's really cool. I love judging. I love judging 
for a number of reasons. Uh, the big two are, firstly, of course, it's just a pleasure to see all these beautiful photographs. Uh, I say all these beautiful photographs, a lot of beautiful photographs. They're not all uh, beautiful, as you can imagine. Uh, I'm judging just the portrait categories. And so all of the images that I'm seeing are very close uh, to my heart. And then the second thing, of course, is it, the process of judging teaches you or reinforces in you the processes involved in creating a picture because I have to judge against categories. So uh, you're pulling an image apart and trying to figure out its merits and where it uh, could be better. And you're doing it in a very organised, structured way because you have to. So that if you get challenged on your score, you can go back to it and say, well, if you look at this bit, if you look at that bit against these criteria, this is why. And that's a really powerful thing to do, certainly 620 times of it. Um, and uh, that's what I'm up to just at the moment. And six, I've, I looked at how far I've got, having done a couple of evenings of judging, and I've got 10% of the way through it. <laughs> I've got a long way to go, another 90%. So uh, a way to go, but that's all good fun. That should take up the rest of uh, this week and next. Uh, yesterday, in uh, out at the Hearing Dogs, still doing a lot of work with those guys because they desperately need the photos, but that was just a pleasure. Uh, and on top of that, one of the trainers, or the trainer who brought the dog in to be photographed is someone who's actually a client of mine as well uh, independently and it was just lovely 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 to see her it's lovely to see everybody at the moment is it i mean i'm chatty as you can tell i'm sitting here with a microphone and a pair of headphones on and still finding it finding a way to be chatty can you imagine what i'm like when i bump into someone who is both has a has a pulse and i'm not related to <laughs> i can't stop talking uh, so it's lovely to be out and about with a camera uh, also been revamping uh, Mastering Portrait Photography, the website. Uh, there's loads of work. It, it's I don't know if people realise just how much work it takes to run a website like this. Um, you know, it, it's, there are some weeks go by and no content goes up, but there's never a moment. There isn't a day that I don't log in, check everything's running, check to see if there's uh, new comments. There's a lovely comment. Uh, last night when I logged in uh, on the video about frequency separation, retouching portraits with frequency separation. So there's lots of bits like that going on. I've been figuring out new ways of doing diagrams, uh, which I've really enjoyed, actually, learning a whole new set of skills, um, a new package, new software, but new ways of doing things. Although it's slowed me down and it means I've had to take about 10 steps backwards, uh, it's pushed me it means that now I'm there, now I've got my head around it. It means not only can I do what I did before, but we now have the capability of doing so much more. As, as an aside, did anyone has anyone ever gone through the process? I did this about 10 years ago of teaching yourself to use the back button to focus. Everyone done that? I don't know. Um, did anyone find it difficult like I did? Again, I have no idea. Um, one thing that uh, it took me a long time to work out how to use the AF button and disable the shutter the shutter button focusing. I kept cocking it up. The first time I tried it for a couple of months, didn't get on with it at all. Uh, and then and then went back to my normal ways of working. It was about two years after that. I said, no, I really do need to do this. Um, because it is a much better way of working is to use the back focus button um, on the camera rather than the shutter release button. Uh, but it took me a long, long time to teach myself uh, screw up after screw up after screw up. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, it's been really nice learning some new software. I will talk about that much more in the coming months, no doubt. Uh, also, just yesterday, went and rebranded my YouTube account so it reflects mastering uh, portrait photography, uh, which is really, really good. Uh, so that is now all coming together and also fired up the Facebook account. We've always had the Facebook account for Mastering Portrait Photography. We just haven't used it because Facebook, for me, I'm not really good with Facebook, if I'm honest, because once I dive into it, I'm in it for hours. <laughs> I even did it last night. I just I happened to pick up a message. I saw an alert and then clicked on it. And of course, half an hour later, I am still scrolling through Facebook messages and it's really hard because with the sort of numbers of people that we're connected with I could do that all day and still only get through a fraction of them um, so I, I tend to stay off Facebook and on top of that I find it I actually find it fairly depressing uh, but for mastering portrait photography of course uh, we need it uh, news and bits and pieces around I assume everybody everybody must be thinking we're going to come out of this soon but is anybody else nervous about that? Is that just me? I was thinking about this the other day, and do you know what? I'm slightly... I, I don't know whether there are equivalent psychologies, but, but I'm really worried about the pressures that are going to be put on me when I come out, when we come out of the lockdown. There are going to be pressures to go out, pressures to party, pressures to go on holidays, pressures to see lots of people... Pressures, obviously, to fire the business back up. I'm suddenly going to find myself under a myriad of pressures. And while I cannot wait for me and Sarah to be able to go out for a drink or go out for a meal, I'm nervous. And I don't know why. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to not being locked in. I'm so looking forward to the business being buzzing again. You know, all of these things. I'm so looking forward to seeing the kids and seeing my friends and everything else. But... There's something in the back of my head that I'm really slightly trepidatious of, slightly nervous. Is trepidatious a word? Have I just made up a word? No, I think trepidatious is a word, but I'm slightly nervous. Um, I'd love to hear from anybody else who thinks the same way, or am I just a nutter? <laughs> Have I finally lost it sitting in this room uh, all of these weeks and months uh, with just the screens and a microphone for company? Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe I actually go and need to seek some help uh anyway on to uh a thought so this is basically the topic of this podcast which is actually about muscle memory we talk a lot about muscle memory in this business we talk a lot about getting your chops down getting to know your camera getting to know light getting to be able to do this thing automatically because you have enough to worry about particularly in portrait photography of dealing with the person in front of you and so you'll find Probably probably every professional portrait photographer will talk about muscle memory of some description. Um, getting, your, getting yourself sorted, getting it to be habitual, uh, getting a natural flow to everything you do. And it occurred to me, <laughs> do you know, I don't know how many podcasts I've started with, it occurred to me, <laughs> I've got to think of some new words. Anyway, it did occur to me that that might not always be everything you want. Now, driving back from Oxford this morning, I was listening to Radio 2, uh, the BBC Radio, one of the music stations. Uh, Rag and Bone Man, uh, a, a great vocalist, great singer, uh, was on there. And he was talking about how he went to Nashville to work with completely new musicians, new songwriters, new producers, pretty much reinventing the entire way he's ever worked before. 
He's excited about it. Zoe Ball, who's the DJ on the radio, is very excited about it. Um, I too can hear. I can. I can feel how amazing that must have been to completely reset and do something new. And similarly, a couple of years ago, I think it was. So I can't remember which one of the judges from Strictly Come Dancing it was. Uh, in the States, or probably globally, it's called Dancing with the Stars. But the original version, the British version, uh, it's called Strictly Come Dancing over here. And one of the judges was asked, why do sports personalities tend to do quite so well on the show? I mean, obviously, athleticism and fitness probably come into it. But his view was actually that they are so used to being coached all the time, even even sportsmen of the very highest level will have coaching. In fact, as they get higher and higher up the levels, they get more and more coaching. Every kick, uh, every turn of a pedal, every placement of a running shoe, whatever it is that they do, they're coached in the latest techniques, the science, ideas, training regimes, psychology, um, diets, you name it. It's continual, even at the top of the game. In fact, especially at the top of the game. Muscle memory that so-called 10,000 hours myth um, is really important. You know, Johnny Wilkinson could kick a ball long before he became the rugby kicker that he was. David Beckham, similarly. But for for Johnny Wilkinson, for instance, it was all about his head game. That whole putting his hands together and looking like he was praying was just a way of getting his, of accessing the techniques that he needed, of accessing the right muscle memory. So although muscle memory was in there, the coaching and the development never stopped. And I sat down the other day, I actually stuck a pair of headphones and sat down at the drum kit, something I do occasionally just to release some steam. And I bashed away and I haven't played for years. You know, there are, there are people out there, they must laugh. I know, I'm sorry about the drum references, can't help it. <laughs> Lockdown means I don't get out much. Um, and so I talk about all sorts of things. Uh, but I sat down and yeah, I can fl- it all flows, it all works. It's like falling off a bike. Or, no, it's not. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. It's not like falling off a bike. Um, and it flowed. I can still play. I've still got a groove, the same groove I always had. But, and here's the thing. I'm just playing a derivative. It's just muscle memory. I'm playing the same thing over and over again. I enjoy it. I feel great for it. And it sounds all right. But it's the same thing that I've always done. And that's the problem. Muscle memory is great. But you have to break out of that to create anything new. I'm playing the same old tat that I was playing 20 years ago. It's still in my hands and my wrists, my feet, my head. But it's no different. I haven't developed. And to create something new, I'd need to get out of myself and actually push to do new things, which I used to do, but it won't come out of me just sitting and enjoying the groove. It won't come out of my muscle memory. My muscle memory is either one of two things. It's either the foundation from which I can develop or it's the limiting factor of what I can do. And when I used to play, and I'm sure other musicians will tell you very similar, the best work, for me at least, always came out of working with a songwriter or a conductor asking me to do something that would be very different or original that would suit what was going on. Um, yeah, I remember one songwriter we worked with, he was a phenomenal songwriter, and he needed something quite particular to fit the song, and I'd never played anything like that before. 
and we sat down and we kicked some ideas around and eventually I figured out what it would sound like but then I had to go away and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice to make it muscle memory because obviously when you sit on a stage and start to play it has to be there in your hands and I've I've seen I'm I was a, an okay drummer but I've seen incredible musicians and you look and their muscle memory their their range of skills their range of good habits is so vast they can sit and play anything and it just sounds amazing well i wasn't that but you have to push you have to push and of course you didn't always have a conductor to do that or a songwriter to beat you up if when i was thinking that one day that might be my career you had to sit down and force yourself to listen to different things to try different things to use different references to use and ways that would force you to expand your muscle memory, to expand your range of experiences and what sits in your in your skill set. Well, <laughs> you kind of guessed it, right? The same is totally true with your camera. Now, luckily, when you have clients, they drive you. Now, there's always that kind of, you know, did did someone come to you because they think you'll invent something new or did someone come to you to do what you do? That's a tough question. I've never found a conclusive answer to that. Again, feel free to email me if you have a really strong view. And maybe uh, we'll have a podcast where we debate it. But I've never yet found it, found an answer. Do, do clients come to you because of what you do? So you do it for them? Or do they come to you because they know you could do something new and exciting for them? That's really tough. Now, yesterday, the Hearing Dogs was great because they have a new... Uh, I don't, oh, do you know, I don't know her job title. Anyway, she's my client. Um, she's coming from a very different world, uh, from magazine and design, magazine publishing, magazine design and publishing. Uh, so she's bringing a whole new set of experiences, backgrounds, you know, ideas, and she doesn't know me from Adam, so she's just pushing to get new stuff through. And, of course, I said to her, you keep pushing. I'm going to find it really uncomfortable. You know, don't be surprised if I sort of grunt at you as I try to figure it out. But it'd be great to try new stuff. Maybe, just maybe, we'll come up with something really cool. Maybe, if we get it down, then my muscle memory, I'll be able to adapt and evolve. And in a sense, we did that years ago with the hearing dogs. The black dogs on black backgrounds trick was born out of a necessity to do something different. It was born out of, I guess, boredom. Uh, doing the dogs that we were doing, the white background stuff, which is the commodity product down there. And we wanted to do something different. So I figured out a way, why well, over a period of weeks, I figured out a way of lighting black dogs on black backgrounds. And the trick isn't the lighting, although that's important. The trick was being able to do it in the same time frame that we created the images we were so well known for on white backgrounds. The trick was not really about technique, and creativity it was actually about efficiency and how we could do it in a way that we we could have everything we wanted and it still wouldn't cost any more money uh so that was the trick there but it was still a development it was still me pushing to try some new stuff out and it feels like it's time for that to happen again so i'm really excited about that it changes never comfortable <laughs> it changes never comfortable when your client is asking you for stuff that you're not sure you can do or have never done before then you're going to feel slightly on edge of course you are because it plays on all of your normal insecurities it's a thin line 
between being asked to do something new and being told you're not capable, you know, being told that what you're doing isn't good enough. That's and, and it's very hard in your head to make sure it's always about change and development. It's never about the insecurity of what you're doing at the moment isn't right. Now, let me be clear here, though. There are boundaries. Of course there are. I'm not saying the client is always right. Well, well, all right, let me let me rephrase this. The client, of course, is always right. But at the end of the day, it's still your signature. It's still your style on that image. It's your brand. It's you that's known for the images. If they're asking you to do something that, frankly, isn't what you want to put your signature on, then you do have to stand your ground. Pushing your muscle memory is one thing. Pushing your boundaries is one thing. But stepping into a world where you know it isn't going to work for you. Well, okay, you need to make a call on that. But pushing yourself into an area to see precisely what you can achieve is really, really powerful. You need to try stuff. You need to fail at it. (laughs) Of course, you still need to fail at it uh, because then you'll learn what it is you can and can't do, what it is you do and don't like. Failure is not a problem. Not trying stuff is a problem. But whatever else you do, do not let your muscle memory be your limiting factor. And on that happy note, I hope that made sense. It felt this morning like the coffee had kicked in and I'm wittering away. Uh, but nonetheless, I hope you're I hope that was I hope you can see in what I'm saying. I hope there's something in there that resonates. Uh, if it does or if it doesn't, for that matter, you can email me. You can always get a hold of me. I'm Paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. Uh, if you like the podcast, please do subscribe. And then every time one emerges from this ether, uh, then it will automatically appear on your phone and you get to have a listen. Uh, so until next time, until next time, remember... Whatever else, whether you're pushing your muscle memory or not, be kind to yourself. Take care.